0: so we, we do, we've been doing a podcast for quite a long time, all the way back to when we were at the bridge, and for, for whatever reason, we've always had a very high number of, for the size of our church, like three or four times more people listen to the podcast than actually even come to the church service, like literally, it's still that way right now, it's shocking, right? And people that have known us for years, people that we don't even know, like it's, and, and it's just, it's amazing, it's, it's cool. And so I, I just want to say this. The all-time most listened to podcast we've ever had is from Kyle, my brother. Like, unreal. Like, big time. Uh, when he, so, I, it, yeah, <laughs> no, it's individual users. This yeah, I think we've tricked the algorithm. Is that what, <laughs> Um, and so it was when he talked about the, the, the pain that he had just come out of and how God brought him through that and the things that he went through. And if you haven't listened to it, just search Kyle Patterson on our website, and you can listen to the podcast of how God's been faithful to him through the darkest time of his life. And um, God became real to him. I know Brian Johnson just wrote a book, When God Becomes Real. And I was like, Kyle could have written that, written that book because that's his story. And so when you go through hard times, you learn things that other people don't always get to learn. And I think that is a blessing, and I think Kyle sees it as that way. Um, and the wisdom that God has poured into his heart through this. So you take the legacy that he carries, and then the wisdom he gained through the pressing. As a matter of fact, um, can you show us real quick your cool tattoo? It says, kiss the wave, right? It says, kiss the wave. And I don't remember, was it Spurgeon or what? He says, I kiss the wave that crashed me against the rock of ages. And so Kyle's like, that's what's going on in my life right now. I want to remember this. I I kiss the struggle that I've gone through that led me to really know who God is. And so, Kyle, I honor you. Like, you're amazing. I'm proud of you, and I believe you have a word for us today. And so would you welcome Kyle as he comes?
1: Howdy, howdy. This is like the worst day for me to speak. I woke up like really weepy today and I'm already crying. So <clears throat> I apologize if I get weepy. My brother and I share that in common. <laughs> I know it's the Holy Spirit. I, so it, it's funny because um, you know, we, my brother and I obviously, you know, we have a generational blessing, right? We've had a lot of people come through our family line that are really amazing men and women of God. And it's, and it's been both. It hasn't just been men. It's been really strong, powerful women of God as well. And uh, we, we see little things that they pass down to us. One of those things is from my, my grandfather, my papa. Every time he would talk about God, every time he'd start crying because he lived his whole life knowing God really well. And... Um, <laughs> I was dri- <laughs> we're going to fight through this today, but um, I was driving in today, and then a, a song came on the radio. It was uh, "How Deep the Father's love for Us," which if you don't know it, go look it up. I won't talk all through it, but it came on the radio, um, just you know, driving here with my boys, and oh, I begin to weep because um, I believe. I believe that we are better than we think we are, right? God is better than we think he is, but you and I, all of us in this room, are better than we think we are. So I've been, you know, I've, uh, Jared talked. you know, you, you go through struggle, and I do count it a blessing, because there are things I know now that I never would have known if I had not gone through hell, Right? And um, he mentioned Brian Johnson's book, and one of the great lines he has in the book is, consider it a blessing when your only option is God. Um, you can't turn to people. There's no one you can turn to to make you feel better about things, right? There's no one that truly understands the cry of your heart, the, the depth of your despair. And to, turn to, him, to be able to turn to him and be crashed into the rock of ages. And what's, what's beautiful about it and terrible all at once is, it happened without warning, right? It just, boom, and I was crashed, just like the waves into the, the, to the shore. It just, boom, it crashed and I was thrown into it. It wasn't something I got to prepare for. But once the shock wears off, right, you see the beauty of it, and um, you know you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be okay. And one of the things that I've found out is that I have a calling to expose lies. In these last couple weeks, I've been really focused on what lies do I need to expose? And it happened perfectly this week. That's probably a poor choice of words, but Jared talked about the the people coming out and renouncing the faith. The timing of that goes with what I was thinking about. It's that religion has pushed people away. And rightfully so. Because religion is a disgusting thing. Religion is not God's creation. God didn't create religion. It was created by man to arrogantly try to appease God, thinking that we could do it on our own. Religion, through fear, attempts to assign value to things that God already assigned value to. You see, religion is fear. It's absolutely what it is. Because when religion started, there was an experience of God that the, fathers, that the fathers experienced, and it passed down to the sons. And some of the sons didn't quite have what it takes to carry that anointing because they didn't push into God. So they knew that they needed to do something to be close to God, but they couldn't quite handle the, the anointing. So they created a set of things that we have to do in their arrogance to try to please God. Through fear. Anything that comes through religion is through fear, which means it's not of God. Right? And I'm not saying religion as in the church. I'm saying the things that we made up about God that aren't actually him. And those are the things that are pushing people away from the church, right? And it is each and every one of our duty to to find out, identify those things, and take care of them in our own lives because we are all filled with something that is not actually who God is. We've all been taught something, and a lot of it very well-intentioned. I think most of it is well-intentioned but people through fear create this concept of God and they create this theology of who God actually is. But he's not those things. If any theology in our minds leads us to that God is punishes people for things, that's religion. That's fear. Punishment is fear. God is not the almighty punisher. He's just, he is righteous, but he makes things Right? So what being righteous is, he makes things right, and you don't do that through punishment. And what the what the church has fallen into is this particular lie, that we are disgusting creatures, who all we're capable of doing is sin. We're incapable of being good. Was depravity is what what they called it, right? Is that we're all evil, right? Something seems wrong about that to me. Were we not created with God's DNA inside of us? Right? And it's come across to the church as this real humble thing, like, oh, I'm so low. I'm so terrible, and God in all his infinite grace and wisdom has, has allowed me to walk on this mortal coil known as earth. But I am so low, and I am so terrible. One of the biggest lies that religion has taught all of us is that we are not worthy of God's love. Now, if we... And and this is is the lie that religion has told us, right? It, It is religion itself. That we can do certain things to attain his love. That's what religion tells us. If we are walking a religious lifestyle, and we're doing things to try to attract God's love, that's true. We're incapable of being worthy of attracting his love. We are absolutely incapable of it. Because our righteousness, as it said, is filthy rags, right? Our worth is not determined by the works that we can do. It is instead measured by the degree to which Christ suffered for us. Something's worth is determined by how much something someone is willing to pay for it. God determined that you are worthy of his only son's life. We have been determined to be worth the value of the greatest person that has ever walked the face of this earth. Would God give his son for someone that wasn't worthy of his sacrifice? Would Jesus lay his life down, go through the punishment that he went through for someone that was unworthy of his love? See, we don't get to determine if we're worthy of love or not. God already put a value on us. That value that he put on us is Jesus' life his son's life, his son's suffering in his blood. That's the value that he put on you. You individually are worth God's only son. That's how worthy of love you are. You are absolutely worthy of God's love. There's nothing you can do to screw that up. There's nothing that you can do to make it greater. He already gave the greatest sacrifice. That's who you already are. You don't have to have lived a perfect life to attain that. As the song that I told you I was listening to this morning, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, it is absolutely true that it was our sin that put him on that cross. And in knowing that, in knowing that we hammered the nails into his hands and cried out, crucify him, and, and cheered as, the, as he was crucified and died, still in that, He deemed you worthy of that sacrifice. That is who you are. This is, I'm telling you, this is the calling of God right now, that that I'm exposing this lie. This is not my normal personality to be, go guys. Okay? That is not me. I'm actually kind of the opposite, right? (laughs) But I truly believe that as I've struggled for years with my worth, When he actually revealed to me, and it's right there. It's so simple, right? And we miss it because we get so confused with things. Um, What happened? Sorry. Technology. Sorry. That was you, Joe, wasn't it? I'm just joking. It was probably me. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. No. um, When God finally revealed it to me, it's as simple as, like, John 3.16, right? For he so loved the world, he gave his only son. That... Says you're worthy of his love, right? I want to read. Um, I want to read this poem from Saint Francis of Assisi, and then I'm going to read. Um, y'all, go ahead and turn your Bibles. Um, Psalms 139, very common book. It's my favorite scripture of all time. We're going to read it. because we all need to get it in our minds that God would not give himself for people that weren't deserving of it or worthy of it. I want to read this from uh, St. Francis of Assisi. It's called God Would Kneel Down. And I thought this beautifully and like really poetically um, painted the picture of how God feels about us. It starts, I think God might be a little little prejudiced. For once he asked me to join him on a walk through this world. And we gazed into every heart on this earth. And I noticed he lingered a little bit longer before any face that was weeping and before any eyes that were laughing. And sometimes when we passed a soul in worship, God too would kneel down. I've come to learn that God adores his creation. (laughs) I, this, <laughs> I've this. come to learn God adores his creation. Psalms 139. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation because it's really, really beautiful. It's um, titled in the, here called You Know All About Me for the Pure and Shining One, King David's poetic song. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into the future, into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. (laughs) We can linger on that one for a bit. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Who knows this better than he does? Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down in the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. Listen to this. It is impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness to you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. And I want you to, I want you to all close your eyes for a second. And I want, you to, I want you to take a second to receive his love as I read this next part. So quiet your mind, quiet your soul. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord, you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires for me, toward me are more than the grains of the sand on every shore. When I wake each morning, you're still with me. Open your eyes. I would encourage you to daily read this over yourself. So, in a world where religion has told us that we are disgusting, unworthy beings, in actuality, every bit of us was marvelously, wonderfully, skillfully crafted before we even breathed our first breath. That is who you are. What this lie that you're not worthy of God's love has done is it's created a world or a church full of people that don't know that they're actually sons and daughters of God and don't know that they actually share his DNA. Instead, we act like slaves that must do everything we can to earn our master's approval. You see, I've learned something about people that feel like they're unworthy of love. In almost every circumstance, when there's a person in a relationship that feels unworthy of love, they do everything they can to sabotage the relationship. Either consciously, subconsciously, whatever it is, if you're in a relationship, an intimate relationship with someone, and you feel like you're unworthy of that person's love, you will undoubtedly do something to make yourself correct. Because if you don't think you're worthy of it, you're not gonna believe that you're worthy of it. And you're gonna make sure that you're not worthy of it. Why should you take part in something that you don't feel like you should be able to take part in? You see, what some of this boils down to is we're afraid to be known. Here's the fact, I know myself more than anybody else in this room knows myself, right? And if some of you got to know some of the things that I know about myself, you know, the fear, religion tells you that you wouldn't feel the same way about me if you knew the things that I knew about myself, because I really know every thought that goes on in my head. I know every bad thing I've thought today, every other day, right? I know this more than anybody in this room. Guess what? God gave his son for you, even knowing your every thought, your every deed, your every action. He knew every single one of those things. Do you think we catch him by surprise when we try to let him know us and he reveals something crazy? Right? He knew about this. He knew about this when we were being formed in our mother's womb. We cannot surprise him with our craziness. Right? I mean, I surprise myself with my own craziness. Right? So, sometimes I'm like, dude, like, get yourself together, man. You are a, you are a mess. <laughs> a mess that's absolutely worthy of God's love. We think that if we let him actually get to know us, he'll find something that makes us unworthy. God wants us, and this is the ultimate thing that I want to end on today. God wants us to walk around like sons and daughters with our chest out, our shoulders back. I am a son and a daughter of God. I am worthy of his love because he told me I'm worthy of his love. Thinking lowly of yourself is not humility, it's ignorance. Because if you think lowly of yourself, then you have no idea who you are. If you think you're not good enough, you have no idea who you are. God wants us to walk around like sons and daughters that are worthy. It's not arrogant. It's actually arrogant to believe that we are powerful enough to make ourselves unworthy of his love by our own actions. He is love and cannot be changed by our poor or good decisions. When we walk around like sons and daughters, knowing we are worthy of the love of the creator of the universe, that is when we are truly living in fear and respect of God the Father. Not believing in our worth is not living in fear of the Lord, but it's living in the fear of man, in man's religion. God did not create us as weak individuals. You know why? Because God is not weak, and God and I share the same DNA. God crafted me. God crafted us. That is who you are. I want to read a quote. God loves this world and all who are in it. God not only loves humanity, but created humanity as the ideal partner for bringing about all that God desires for the world. We are not working against our lesser nature when we seek to live with God. On the contrary, we are living as we were created. The joy of this proper understanding is that we no longer have to feel ashamed of our humanity. So what is, what is the church missing? Why do people feel like they're not getting what they need from the church? They're not getting what they need from the church because the church is not filled with sons and daughters Yet. Yet. It's God's desire for every single one of us to be, truly walk in the Father's anointing. It's where you are my son, and you get my inheritance just because you're my son and just because you're my daughter, right? My kids aren't going to get an inheritance from me based on the grades they get in school, They'd get, they would get good uh, inheritance so far. So, so hopefully, hopefully it stays that way. Maybe not so much on the behavior end. But if <laughs> my kids like to talk. Can't blame them. I like to talk at school too. Um, the fact is, there's, there, God doesn't have this um, big cosmic report card that he's grading. Like, oh man, how much of my love am I going to give out today? Oh, well, how good were they? Did they give uh money to the guy on the street, right? Um did they say a few choice words when they got cut off in in traffic? Um well that's you know he gets a demerit for that. Um so you know I'm going to have to withhold a little bit today cuz he's um he said some potty words. Um um oh good job you uh you were very thankful for something that happened to you. Good job. We'll uh we'll cancel out that demerit. Um I'll 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 raise your level back up. This is not how it works. Right? One of the one of the beautiful things about having children is that I, you know, for me, it's easier for me to see who the father is through through things that my kids do. Um and one of the amazing things is you know, my kids are younger, eight and six. Um, they go through the phase where they see a street and they just kind of want to head off at the street, right? They're like, ah, stop. Or you got to run and you're grabbing a collar and jerking them back. And, um, no one's had to do that? Okay. I have had to do that. <laughs> Levi had a fun little experience the other day. He saw an ice cream truck. <laughs> it took off on his scooter <laughs> <It> just <laughs> went at it. Uh, we were at it with the Isis soccer game. It was, and This random guy was like, "Hey, is this your kid?" It's <laughs> <That's> pretty awesome. <laughs> he, got he got a demerit. Like God withheld some love from him that day, but just kidding. Uh, it was really, it was really funny. Everyone was like, "Oh, that happens all the time," um, and it's true. But one of the one of the one of the things you teach them is that hey, when you get to the road, stop, look all over, right, left, right, left, right, left, right go. And I was like, and don't take off running because then you might trip. And then, you know, there's all these silly rules. Okay, so now when they go across the road by themselves, what do they do? They walk. Sometimes they have to stop and be like, okay, I know the the drill. Okay, cross the street. What if dad's walking with them? Shoulders back. I'm just going. Dad's got this handled. You think dad's going to let me cross the street when it's not safe? That's the anointing of being a son, is that you don't have the same fears that you have when you're on your own. And every single one of us are called to walk with God just like that, knowing that he is with us and I have nothing to fear, right? So I walk on my shoulders back, like, I don't need to look at no stinking cars, like, why would he lead me somewhere that's going to get me destroyed, And I think that perfectly, it's a silly little illustration, but I think it perfectly paints what God wants from us, right? Knowing that he's going to handle things. All I have to do is be the recipient of his love. That's what you're called to be. You're called to be the recipient of God's love and to walk like a son and a daughter that you were created to be. That's it. All this other stuff doesn't matter as much. It really doesn't. We need to get together the way we get together here on Sundays, be with each other, learn things together, worship together. That is a beautiful thing that religion has brought us. It really is a beautiful thing. But all the little crap that we get so hung up on doesn't matter as much. Right? Why can't we just focus on being sons and daughters? Why can't we just... And I'm not. I don't want this to come across. the The slippery slope when you talk about stuff like this is like, oh, anything's good, as long as I'm loved by God, I can do whatever I want. That, that's that's bullcrap. Like that's ridiculous. Okay, you will, go out and do that. Have fun. Like, good luck. Right? There are consequences to things that we do. And, and what do kids? Do kids behave better when they're with their parents usually? usually well, maybe not. Yeah. Some, of, some of them talk back. Mine, mine in particular, or when they're with other parents, they behave great. They're like, your kid was awesome today. I'm like, my kid? No. <laughs> no, my kids behave really well around me because they respect, they respect the authority that I do have over them right and we need and when we respect the authority that God does have over us when we properly fear him and properly, you know, respect him you're not going to do the things that you shouldn't do right so it all boils down to a really simple thing like why why leave his side if walking with him he's our guide. So if we walk with him and he's our guide, why would we ever leave our side and try to blaze our own trail? Why would we ever leave his side and try to just figure this out on our own? You know? And that doesn't... It doesn't keep you from troubles. It, It, you know... One of the beautiful things about God is that he lets people make up their own minds. There's free will, right? But if I didn't have God by my side right now, no telling where I would be right now. I lived days without him by my side, and it's the most miserable I've ever been in my life. So we have to draw close to him. And I... And this is where, going back to people walking out of the church, Jared and I were just texting about it. I was really bummed out, man. I was like, and I sympathize with people that do walk away. It's going to sound weird, but I really do sympathize with people. Because if you've been in the church long enough, someone in the church is going to hurt you. Because it's full of people. People hurt people, you know, especially people that are scared, uh, and people that are hurt themselves, like hurt people hurt people, um, and the church is kind of full of hurt people. It really is, and um <clears throat> I sympathize with why people walk away, and I understand why they question things, but your questioning should never turn to questioning God and who God is. You can question what you 're teach what you 're learning from people here what your religion teaches you. You can even question what Jared teaches you on a Sunday. You should. You should seek it out for yourself. But we can never question him. Because if you do, guess what? You'll find out um, he's got it going on. Yeah. You know? He's, he knows what's up. <laughs> um, let's stand up, please. Please. I want to, um, I want to take some time, just do some prophetic stuff. Okay. I would like everyone to be honest for a minute. Okay, I'll give you some time to think. Do you truly walk as a son and a daughter with God? Think to yourself. Or could I be better at being a son and being a daughter? Both. <laughs> yes. If any of you answered yes, or you're like, "Come, I don't know. If you're like, hmm, I don't know, the answer is probably you're not walking completely in who you should be. I'm included in this, so I'm going to stand... Will you all please come up here to the front? If you think you're walking in it well, I want you to come see me. <laughs> not not in a bad way. I hey, some people do this really well, and I want you to. I want you to be the one that really prays for this. No. (laughs) It's okay. And I want to... What's up? Yeah, get up here. I think he actually really does this very well. He does. Um, What are we going to do here? Okay. We all line up like across. As much as you can do like single file, as much as you can... Get against the wall. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Starting with Jason. All right, you're gonna look to your partner to your right and say, "I'm a son and oh, (laughs) sorry, it's Chris. So I'm a son of God, and I'm worthy of His love." Next. Yeah, you're a daughter, you can, yes. and then you can turn to me. (laughs) You you don't have anyone. (laughs) Awesome. And I'm a son of God, and I'm worthy of his love. Take a deep breath for a second. You know what religion is? Religion is a weight that we have to carry. There's this song by one of my favorite bands called Thrice. It's called Words in the Water. And it's talking about swimming in this water and having to carry this book, this heavy burden, right? And drowning because you're having to carry this heavy burden. And then something came, Jesus, and took this heavy burden from him, right? It's it's beautifully painted. Religion is a heavy burden given upon slaves, not sons and daughters, Sons and daughters are free. Like, I get so many knots in my back because I'm so tense all the time. Like, I got one right now, and I just, like, kick something. (laughs) I'll wake up in the morning and be like, oh, God. (laughs) Not again. Curse you, back muscles. But I think the church is really tense a lot. And they're afraid of something. They're afraid to disappoint. Why don't we talk to uh, the person at the supermarket that God tells us to talk to? Well, we're afraid to mess up. We're afraid to say the wrong thing. We're afraid to give uh, an incorrect prophetic word. Why don't I dance in church? Well, I'm afraid um, people are going to know that I'm a white girl that's got no moves, Right? <laughs> Or, you know, someone's going to laugh because I have terrible rhythm. Something like that, right? Everything we don't do in in the church is because we're afraid of the outcome. And that means we're carrying a heavy burden that we weren't called to carry. And that heavy burden is called fear. It's called religion. We're not called to, to carry that. We are called to carry the anointing of son and daughter. So just a second, let's do this. This isn't like yoga weird stuff, but I'm saying just, we're going to breathe for a minute. Just, just release. Take the deepest breath you can. Just release. Do you feel tension when you do it? If you do, just relax yourself. You're good. Like, You're okay. God's with you. You're a son. You're a daughter. Things are okay. The burdens of fear and religion are not for you to carry. That was already dealt with. It's like this crazy thing of Jesus coming and taking this bag off of your back, casting it into the ocean, And then one day waking up like, oh, man, this is weird. I've never lived this way before. Time to grab the scuba gear. I'm getting in the ocean. We're going to find that bag. I'm going to put it on. Maybe someday we'll do this again. Like, this was cool. Maybe. I don't know how to handle myself. That's what religion keeps us in, this cycle of taking burdens that were already destroyed and just throwing them right back on our backs, just carrying more weight and then adding to it, and the farther we get into this religion, it adds, it adds, it adds, and it gets more and more heavy, and you move slower and slower. We're not called to do that. So you're up here. You're a good son of God. You you know how to walk. And how do we? Um, I want you to do something to help us combat that. So I I
0: free you from what he just talked about, like right now. You're free from now on. So here's what you need to do. So what would you do the moment you're set free? Like the Bible is full of, and we we know people and testimonies, and your testimony, the moment you were set free, there was a reaction. That reaction is supposed to be the way you live, not something you feel in a moment. That freedom when you gave your heart to Jesus and you're like, oh, my sins aren't mine anymore. I'm free. They're gone. That feeling was your inheritance for your lifestyle, for your entire life, not just for that moment. So here's what I'd like for you to do. What would a free loved person do? And then I want you to give yourself permission to live as a free loved person and to do the things a loved person would do. I've been on this journey that Kyle's talking about too. Performance, 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 and I'm done with it. I am a son. God likes to be with me. Whether I'm being good that day or not, he enjoys being around me. Would you say that? God likes my company. It's absolutely true. And when you realize that he likes our company, he never leaves us, Kyle's right, it changes the way that we live because he deserves my love. So in this podcast we were talking about in Sunday school, Bill talks about, Bill Johnson refers to God, and he says, the way to uh, increase our awareness of of God and his presence and his love for us is to worship him, because he's such a lover that when we worship and we love on him, he can't help, but like he said in the poem, he stops and kneels, and he kneels there in that moment. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And so um, I want you to just begin to develop a lifestyle that attracts him. Now, he doesn't go anywhere, but you know what I'm saying, right? Attracts the awareness of him, and that comes from loving on him, and we do that better when we know we're free and loved. So (laughs) when you think of one thing, a gift, something, a talent, an ability, um, a spiritual gift that you would love for God to give you? I want you to think of that just for a second. I don't know if it's prophecy, if it's faith, miracles, signs and wonders, the ability to evangelize and people get saved and healed, um, business, administration, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. What's one thing that you would want? Mm-hmm. I want you to tell God that you want it, okay? Just tell him. The Bible tells us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So go ahead. Tell him. Tell him you want it. Come on. Did he say anything to you? I heard him say, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. So we just tell you right now, it's yours. It's part of your identity. It's part of who you are you're going to find yourself. You're going to be more yourself than you've ever been before. You're going to discover who you are like never before. Your identity in him and who he created you to be is going to become more secure and more steadfast in the days from here on than they've ever been before. You are going to be confident. Confident people are beautiful. You are going to be so confident and so beautiful. Amen? Yeah. It is. We good? Anything else? Close it out. <sighs> Can I tell you all a quick testimony? All right. So I've always said I'm not evangelistic. Like, that's like a weakness of mine. I am not the guy to go out and evangelize or tell people about Jesus because I didn't like the process of talking to strangers. And immediately turning them off with my Christian smile, you know. I, I just didn't like it. And so I was just kind of felt distant from it. And so last Sunday night, I have this dream. And in my dream, uh, there are three Muslim men in the dream, and I'm talking to them. And in this dream, God comes upon me like electricity. And I begin to tell them who God is. And I'm just having a conversation. It's not in church. I'm not preaching with a mic in my hand. I'm literally just having a conversation with these Muslim men about God being the Father and how good he is. And as I am telling them, I like I'm goosebumps now. I wake up from the dream with goosebumps all over me, remembering the moment like it was an encounter with God. And they were saying, um, when you talk to us about God, it opened us up. It unlocked us. And I was like, oh, that is so good. And I told Mandy, I came to work. I was like, I had this dream last night. I got to tell you all about it. She's like, Okay. So guess what happens the day after that? (laughs) I didn't know this. Now, it wasn't all Muslim men, but we've had a robotic school meeting here for 10 weeks, and I have no idea what their background is except they're from India. I didn't know if they were Hindu or or Christian. I didn't ask them. It didn't matter. We just loved on each other for 10 weeks. And so I got brave. I was like, I'm only going to see you for another week for sure. What religion are you guys? Are you Hindu? And one of the ladies was like, my husband and I we're Hindu and the other lady was like we're Muslim. I was like, "Oh, really?" They're like, "Yeah." And guess what? She says, "You have been so kind to us. And you have loved us so well over these 10 weeks." She said, "I have never in my life been to a Christian church. I've only barely even read the Bible. But we are going to come and visit your church because we want to know more about" <laughs> we want to know more about this God, and see, this whole time, I've been telling them, look, I'm a pastor. I want everyone in this neighborhood to come to my church. Like, I'm I'm being open with them the whole time, and there was this bond created with them, so we have this, like, 30 to 45-minute discussion just about freedom, about America being the greatest country ever, about, about God, just short stuff about God. We insert here and there, but I, I was like, God, you just gave me this dream, and within two days, the thing that I think I'm the weakest in, you opened me up and showed me I'm actually really good at this thing. I'm, I am really good at telling people that don't know God who God is. I'm, that is evangelism. I'm actually, I'm really good at, so th- I told you this, <laughs> I'm going to be so good at this. You've seen that little girl? The, the, I don't, anyway, she, I'm going to be so good at this. I'm a good evangelist. And so I said that because I want that gift, that thing that you don't think that you're good at or the thing that you really wanted to be good at. God is going to release you, and he's going to make a way. He's going to open things up, and it's going to be so easy for you. And you're going to be like, I'm actually good at this thing. So I just release that over you right now. And I pray that much fruit will come from your life. Come on. That much fruit, that you will bear good fruit that remains. That if it's prophecy, that you will get prophetic words so much. You're like, okay, God, I got to turn it off. Because all I'm hearing is prophetic words for everybody. If it's for healings and miracles, then God's going to give you places and opportunities to pray for the sick. Come on. If it's just being good with finances, God's going to help you with finances. If it's good at planning, if it's being a good mom, a good dad, God's going to increase this ability in you right now with grace. Come on. I want you to close it out. Why don't you just pray for the someone next to you, close to you. You can just put your hand on their shoulder and just bless them. Bless them with a the favor of God. Bless them with the presence of God that they will be overwhelmed. Yeah, come on. We bless you. We bless everyone here with the presence, with the favor of God, with what Kyle talked about of, of not religion but relationship, of being sons and being daughters. God, I bless the men in this room that they, would, that they would remain sons as they're becoming fathers, that the women in this room would remain daughters as they're becoming mothers, God. We bless them in this journey. I pray that your presence would be with us like Psalm 139. Where could we go from your presence? God, I pray that we would all become more aware of you walking with us bless everyone here God. bless their families bless their businesses